So you got people on, and I thought I saw Debbie Hazelton in the room because I thought that we're streaming, but I... I am here. um, I'm here. Can you hear me? Sure. Um, So I I have asked, I muted everyone on entry. Annie. And, um, and so, um, do you want, like, if they have a poem to share or something like that, that they raise their hand and then we could do it that way? Yeah, you can raise your hand. And then what you'll do is say your, say your name, uh, your, your last name is optional. You can say your, your first name and where you're from and what you're going to share. So does anyone want to go first or shall I start? Why don't you kick us off? Why don't you start and and kick us off with. Okay. I'm going to read a poem that I wrote uh, a couple of years ago. Um, I was in a poetry class and we were given a fruit or vegetable and we had to talk about memories associated with, well, that was our first draft. And the second draft, it could be alliteration. It could be just talking in the voice of the poem. So this is probably one of my mom's favorite poems of mine that I've written. And it's the peach poem. Um, So this poem was written in the voice of the peach. Howdy, partners. It is I, the pretty peach, pristine and perfectly polished, fresh from Georgia. So you say I am soft and smooth as a sweet baby's head? How profoundly perceptive. Perhaps you perceive me as more precious than a plum, possibly purer than a pear. Isn't that just peachy, you proclaim? What a pair we are. I, and so you say there's a song pretty popular in 1996 performed by the presidents of the United States of America. I'm showing my age here. How preposterous. Moving to the country, gonna eat a lot of peaches. I find that a fairly flattering phrase, but I do not come from a can like those that were put there by a man in a factory downtown. Here again, I'm showing my age. For shame. My purpose is to provide pleasure for your palate, pureness to your pie, and deliciousness to other decadent desserts and desserts in which you desire to indulge. This I could not do if I came from a can, as a canned peach can't compare to me. I am the peach, the brightest and most beautiful of the bunch. On this, you can bet your banana. So I am flattered that you've chosen me to fulfill your fruitful fix. And now we must part until we meet again. May your life be perfectly peachy. Bravo. Very good. (laughs) Thank you. And Annie, um, why don't you introduce yourself to them? I'm Annie Davis, and I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. All right. For people who don't know you, because we know you. (laughs) Right. (laughs) All right. Um, We have some raised hands. And let's see. I think we'll go to, we have quite a few. So we're going to go to Monica first. All right. Monica? Yes. Okay, it's all you. All right. Well, my name is Monica Spopa, and I live in Houston, Texas. And today I'm going to read you a poem I wrote for my mom this year for Mother's Day. Oh, great. Mom, this year 
I don't have a gift for you, but hopefully this poem will do. You are love, you are light. Oh, how your heart shines so bright. You always want the best for us. You give hope and always encourage us. The love we feel, it is so real. Every time I hear your voice, it really makes my heart rejoice. You bring a smile to my face. No one could ever take your place. That's great. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Monica. And um, our next person is going to be Abby. And Abby, there might be something on your screen asking you to unmute. Okay, I should be unmuted now. Can you all hear me? Yes, ma'am. Yes. Okay, I'm Abby Taylor from Sheridan, Wyoming. And the poem I would like to share with you is called Four Ways a, Four Ways a Dog Looks at Life. One, I'm too outspoken, so must wear a special collar during the day while no one's home. When I alert the empty house, it vibrates against my throat, feels weird, sometimes uncomfortable. I end up whining when I speak my mind. Life is whoop, isn't it? <laughs> Two. Turkey muffin! Turkey muffin! You squeak as my leash clicks into place. What's a turkey muffin anyway? It doesn't sound nearly as appealing as that rotten fish head in the alley. Now, that's what I want. Fish head, fish head, roly poly fish head, fish head, fish head, eat em up, yum. Three. Oh, you're hungry? You don't live here, so you don't know where anything is. You don't see too well, huh? Well. How about some potato chips? I know where they are. In the pantry. Open this door. They're right here on the floor. Let's see. Here's one for you, five for me. One for you, 10 for me. One for you, 20 for me. One for you, 40 for me. Oh, the bag's empty. Just throw it away. They'll think you ate up all the chips. Ha ha. Four. What's that on the other side of the fence? A white stick it is, rolling from side to side along the pavement. A human pushes it. I want to chase it. I bark and bark and bark, leap into the air many times. Try to fly over the fence. I'm ignored. Human and stick walk and roll away. The end. Thank you. Well done. Thank you, Abby. You're welcome. That's adorable. <laughs> Very much so. 
very much so. And um, let's see, Annie or Anne Chapetta, Chapetta. Anne. Uh oh, or is that the other Annie? Oh, I didn't unmute her. Oh my goodness, Anne. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I think I was trying, trying to unmute me while you were trying to unmute me, and we did yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Um, hang on. Okay. Um, my name is Anne Chapetta. I'm from New Rochelle, New York, and uh, I'm going to read uh, a poem called "A Flaming Sword." I'm at a conference. Find another person you don't know. Draw a picture of your favorite animal and write down three good words about them. The room quiets, the video plays, the chasm of blindness opens. I hurtle towards the fire. Just one helpful person in that room at that time would have made a difference smothered the embers. The next day at the conference, my hand raises unnoticed. Humiliation slaps it down, ignites the banked coals. I am not with people. I am with beings who feed the fire. Later the same day, laughter at a cartoon feeds the pyre. The burn weighs down my hand, and I don't ask for a description. Instead, I imagine being a crusading knight, accusing them all, shaming them all, passing judgment. I am rage contained, waiting to unleash my wraith against the ignorance the fuel stoking the furnace. Burn, burn, burn. I wish for a sword of flame, a suit of armor, a crusader's righteousness. I would not have stood hand raised asking for help if it wasn't needed. I meant nothing, no one noticed until I disappeared. The flames hide the pain. The end. Wow, thank you, Anne. You're welcome. Or is it Annie? It's Annie, Anne, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm Annie too, so that should be easy. No, it's confusing, yeah. You can call me Annie too, and you're Annie one. Day. It was beautiful, thank you. You're welcome. And? Deanna, do you probably see something on your screen that says to unmute yourself? There you are. Okay. This poem um, appears in an anthology that some friends and I did quite a while ago. It's called Behind Our Eyes is the name of the anthology. My poem is called Acceptance. See me. Open your eyes and really look. 
I was the child sitting alone on the stairs while other children played a ball game in the yard. Because I couldn't see to play, I learned to love books. I was the young girl who washed her hair on Friday nights because the boys who carried my heavy braille books at school never guessed I loved to dance and go to movies. I was the young woman holding my newborn infant with my heart full of wonder and joy while nurses talked about me as if I weren't there, speculating about how I could ever care for that child. I was the young mother who sitting alone in the school cafeteria because the teacher didn't expect me to come to the mother's lunch and assigned my child to serve behind the counter. I tell you these things because I want you to understand. I am not a disability. I'm a person like you. I laugh, I cry, I sing and dance. I cherish my friends and family. I want to be a part of my community and world. I don't need your pity. I only ask your acceptance. I only need you to open your eyes and see me, not as a dysfunction, but as a person, a human being, just like you. And that's the end of that one. Very good. Beautiful. Thank you, Diana. I read that before, actually. I had that book behind our <laughs> That's actually how I recognized your name. Yeah, I, I had, I think, 10 pieces total in that anthology. Yeah, I'd see your name come up quite a few times. It's very good. And I recommend you guys read it if you don't have it. Oh, man, that was wonderful. Thank you. All right. And then we have Allie. And I think I have, let's see. Allie. I unmuted myself so you didn't have to <laughs> fiddle with it. All right. Oh god, Nika, I'm so terrified. I'm so terrified. If I screw this up, save it. Um You're gonna so I'm <laughs> so I'm promoting um my best friend's book. She self-published it with some assistance and um she's been through a little bit of backstory if you don't mind, Annie. Um she's been through two very unfortunate home lives and uh, mm -hmm. I'm I'm hoping to have time to present two of these one for her um, for her first family and one for her second this is for her first it's called just be me Jenny is one of 30 kids in a crowded classroom her uniform is much too big and worn from overuse Jenny is too thin and for her age too small and no one seems to notice her at all. The teacher gives a smile and says it's time for Halloween. So everyone tell me what you would like to be. Poor Jenny can't believe the things she hears them say. Their answers just blow her away. I want to be a pirate and sail upon the sea. I'm going to be an angel with golden shiny wings. I'm going to be a werewolf with lots of fur and teeth. I'm going to be anything but me. On this Halloween, the teacher looks around the room and says, Everyone be quiet. And let's all hear what Jenny's going as upon this fun-filled night. Well, Jenny just looked at her and with a smile did say, I'll tell you what I want to be. For what each night I pray. 
I don't want to wear a mask or go out for tricks or treats. Don't want to put on fancy clothes or golden shiny wings. Don't want to wear fake fur or teeth. No, those things aren't for me. I'll tell you what I want for Halloween. I just want to be me. Lord, is it too much to ask that for a single day you'd let me show this horrid mask, shed this horrid mask, and hear me when I pray? I don't want to wear a mask or go out for tricks or treats. I don't want to wear fancy clothes or golden shiny wings. Don't want to wear fake fur or teeth. No, those things aren't for me. I'll tell you what I want this Halloween. I just want to be me. Mika, can you tell them how to give the information to buy it? I can't. Um, you know, how about we tell them toward the end because I don't remember off the top okay. of my head, okay? Thank you. Okay, no problem. Yeah. Thank you, Allie. Thank you for sharing, Allie. Thank you. Okay. Um, so, someone with the area code of 860? It's me, Sandra Streeter. Hi, Sandra. Hi. I'm not reading one of my own. I'm reading um, a, you could call it a poem, but it actually was lyrics to a song um, written by Neil Peart, who is the late lyricist for the band Rush. And it's called Countdown, and it was released in 1981. Lit up with anticipation, we arrive at the launching site. The, the sky is still dark, nearing dawn on the Florida coastline. Circling choppers flash the night with roving searchlight beams. This magic day when super science mingles with the bright stuff of being, of, sorry, let me read that again. This magic day is super science mingles. Boy, I, can I start over? Sure. <laughs> Sorry about that. I just literally transcribed this an hour ago, so I really haven't a chance to read it without stumbling, but here goes. Countdown. Lit up with anticipation, we arrive at the launching site. The sky is still dark, nearing dawn on the Florida coastline. Circling choppers flash the night with roving searchlight beams. This magic day when super science mingles with the bright stuff of dreams. Floodlit in the hazy distance, the, the star of this unearthly show, venting vapors like the breath of a sleeping white dragon. Crackling speakers, voices tense, resume the final count. All systems check. T minus nine, as the sun and the drama start to mount. The air is charged, a humid, motionless mass. The crowds and the cameras, the cars full of spectators pass. Excitement so thick you could cut it with a knife. Technology high on the leading edge of life. The earth beneath us starts to tremble with the spreading of a low black cloud. A thunderous roar shakes the air like the whole world exploding. Scorching blast of golden fire as it slowly leaves the ground, tears away with a mighty force. The air is shattered by the 
by that awesome sound. Excitement so thick you could cut it with a knife. Technology high on the leading edge of life. Like a pillar of cloud, the smoke lingers high in the air. In fascination with the eyes of the world, we stare. That was good. Very nice. I love it. I'll have to listen to that song now. <laughs> it's a great song. Thank you, Sandra. And Sandra, what did you say you were from? Thank again? you. Uh, Connecticut. Okay. Um, next, we have Mr. Dana. Yeah, hello. Hi, Dana. Welcome. Hi. Hey, Annie. And everybody else. Uh, I'm Dana from Dana Metcalf from uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. Not too far from Annie. Uh, yeah, Annie Davis. Uh, anyway, this is a short Mother's Day poem I wrote for my mom back in the 80s when I was in ninth grade. I made a Mother's Day card also, so this was inside of it. Uh, Mother's Day is a day in May when we honor the mother instead of the other. So on this day, we honor you and want you to know we love you too. And that's it. <laughs> Very short. Nice. Thank you, Dana. Thank you. All right. Um, next is Alyssa. It's Elisa. Elisa, sorry about that. That's okay. Um, you can just call me Lisa. I'm Lisa Bush from, uh, well, I'm living in Virginia. So I'm going to read a poem that I wrote around Easter this year, and it's called Door. I want to reach out and hug, wrap my arms around each and every one of you, rip off the mask that makes me feel like a criminal or raccoon. Right now, to touch is to die? Okay, then. I'll have to find another way. What do I love deeply beside you? Hmm. Words, that's it. First, I can sparkle all your names, arrange them like flowers, fresh with hummingbirds drinking, pausing on each one to enjoy. I can pour out how much you mean to me, like drops of water spilling from a fountain laughing in the preponderousness of syllables. <coughs> How lovely it is to speak what we have not said before. Virus, we do not bow before you in isolation, but open wider the Easter door of restoration. That's it. Thank you, Lisa. That was great. Thank you. And next we have Debbie Green. You are unmuted by host. Yes, thank Audio you. Audio now unmuted. Um, can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Yep. Um, I'm Debbie Green, and I am from Elizabethtown, Kentucky. And I would like to read a, read a poem that I wrote for uh, my daughter for Mother's Day. She is also a mother, and we always exchange cards. And normally, I get to see her a lot, but I couldn't this year, of course. So here's the card I, I wrote it and then i read it to her over the phone on saturday night so here we go sunday will be mother's day and we're deep in covid19 so many things are different much more change than we've ever seen 
I know I won't be with you. You are too many miles away. And even though you're not near me, there's some things I'd like to say. You, you, you need to know I'm so proud of you. You are such a wonderful mom and wife and professor and department chair. And I know there's more to come. God has a wonderful plan for you. He'll guide you each step of the way. He loves you more than you could ever know. And he's with you every day. And there's one more thing you need to hear. Although this thought isn't new, you're in my heart and in my prayers, and I'll always be here for you. That's it. Thank you, Debbie. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Debbie. You're welcome. Okay, next up is Jenny. Hi there, folks. My name is Jenny Anderson. I'm from Linwood, Washington. And um, I just Jenny, you're, you're coming up through a little muffled. Oh, can you hear me now? Yeah, that's better. Okay. I guess I have the phone too far away. Anyway, um, I just recently wrote my own story, which is called Redemption Alone is Not Enough. And I would just like to take just a couple of seconds to uh, point to um, the preface. And that is, um, I remember the first time I really felt loved. My family was on a long day's travel that day. Mind you, I'm, I'm um, <laughs> ad-libbing here. And um, when we got home, by the time we got home, I was fast asleep in the back seat. There were no seatbelts at that time, so of course I was not buckled in. I remember being swept up by somebody's arms and being carried to my bedroom and placed in bed. What my mom and dad did not know is that I woke up in the process of being carried, but I felt so loved and so secure and with such an identity in my person that I didn't let them know that secret even to this day. That's it. Thank you, Jenny. Right. Thank you, Jenny. <laughs> All right. Allie. Okay. Um, hopefully I can get through this one. Um, so this second one is called I Don't Know Me, and it's about the second home that she lived in, the one that I actually helped her to get out of. So there is a time. Yes. Before you start, do you want to give the... Uh, the yes, the... that way if I... <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm so sorry. Oh, no, it's Okay. Um, <laughs> So if you, um, Cindy Van Winkle has been kind enough to say that if you are interested in buying the book, um, I asked her, you can email community at acb.org. Mika, is that right? Community yes. at acb.org. Okay. And she will get you connected with me so that I can give you the information to buy the book. Okay. There is a time. There is a place. When love should triumph over all. When truth and reason are pushed aside as chaos determines all. But only if that state of mind can create a thing anew. I thought this was the moment, but I guess I had no clue. I don't know me. There is a time to live, a time to love, when trust seems to have no bounds. 
You do not walk. You seem to fly. Your feet don't touch the ground. But only if the entire heart is prepared to bleed anew. I thought I knew what you were to me, but I guess I never knew. And so why is it I fell in love? Why did I ever trust you? I don't, because I don't know me. I don't know me. Thank you, Allie. Where'd everybody go? Oops. Thank you, Allie. Sorry about that. I was talking and I had muted myself. Cindy, you are unmuted. It is your turn. Oops, she accidentally unmuted me, Mika. <laughs> All right, Cindy, Cindy Van Winkle. All right, um, we'll go to Brandon, then we'll come back to Cindy. Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, I can yeah. hear you now. Sorry, I didn't realize I had my microphone muted. I'm That's so okay. Sorry. I like, I'm over that? here talking and started to read and everything. So anyway, <laughs> I, is it okay for me to go now? Go ahead. Okay. All right. Uh, so this is Cindy Van Winkle, and um, I uh, debated on whether I would share and decided why not. Um, so I lost my dad uh, in uh, February, and... Um, I he grew I grew up knowing a poem he'd written when he was in junior high and uh, he told this story about how he had this really big essay it was like supposed to be a thousand words or something and it was the day it was due and he had not written it and he sat down and he wrote this poem and he turned it in and the teacher gave him an A minus so here it is <laughs> she gave him an A minus because it was nowhere near the thousand words so it's called freeways and it's by Jim Hollis Freeways are crowded all during the day. They're like a mean killer all ready to slay. Now traffic jams can get your face red because you want to get home and ready for bed. Now being in a hurry on a freeway is bad, but when you get off it, I know you'll be glad. But poor old Joe was going too fast. Now he's in his grave. He sure didn't last. Hmm. Okay, now that was my dad's sense of humor. <laughs> So, okay, um, but here's the real poem I wanted to share, but I think you guys needed to hear and know my dad's sense of humor before I read the next poem. The Well-Known Masked Man. This is something I wrote when uh, I was a senior in high school. He was a man yet filled with child. When Halloween came, this man went wild. He lived in a neighborhood, each home with a youth, and this story I'm telling is really the truth. The first year he lived there, he put on his face an old, old, an old nylon stocking, and off went the race. The children went running, they'd hide here and there. For his roar was such that a lion would scare. The children all screaming and enjoying the game. Though they called him a monster, they knew his real name. When the night finally ended and the next day began, the children 
kept talking of the well-known masked man, and they'd impatiently wait for the next Halloween when the man with the nylon would appear on the scene. And the parents all said that this man must be mad, but to me and the children, he's my fun-loving dad. Thanks. All right. Very good, Cindy. Thank you. All right. Um, Hello. Can I be heard? There you are, Brandon. Hi, Brandon. <laughs> Hi. So um, I'm going to do a poem by um, Heinrich Heiner. And this is called Aus meinen Großenschmerzen, which means um, my great sorrows. Um, obviously, it's a German poem, but I'm going to read you the English translation. <laughs> um, out of my great sorrows, I make little songs. They lift their wings and flutter to where she is. They found the way to my beloved, but they came back wailing. They wail and don't tell, don't want to tell me, um, tell me what they saw in her heart. Hello. Brandon, was that the end? That was the end. I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought we were having a moment of silence. I know. We were waiting. <laughs> Very good. That's great. All right. Um, so, Annie, that was that is the last of the hands for right now. Wow. Um, Mika, do you have something you want to share? Um, I don't, I, <laughs> um, well, you know, I, so when I, when I was a teenager, I wrote some, I wrote some poems. Um, I'm totally embarrassed, but what the heck. So, um, I don't remember, I don't remember all of it. Okay. But I'll just give you kind of the cliff notes pasted together version of what I remember. Um, so let's see. I live I live in my seclusion. I seem to live in fear. I reach out in the darkness, but there's nothing here. I struggle in my darkness. I struggle in my pain. I struggle with the universe as tears fall down like rain. If all of life has been lost and hope I cannot see, then what becomes of the seclusion? What becomes of me? Very good. So, thank you. <laughs> All right, let's see. I do have one. If no one's, uh, if no one's, we do have hands raised. But go ahead. Okay, this is called Eighth Grade English Class, and it was a poem inspired by Mary Oliver's first yoga lesson, which you can find in her anthology Blue Horses. So this is my sort of response. This is Eighth Grade English Class. Describe a tree in autumn was the required writing prompt of the day. Glaring at my note-taking device, I think, well, since I have no sight, you might have to contend with less than five sentences. Requesting an alternative topic was not an option. Surely someone has told you what it looks like, my teacher persists. Just write something. Five sentences. So I wrote what I knew. The leaves fall. They change color. I am not exactly sure what color, maybe some shade of green. 
if I were to name a color, perhaps I would be telling a lie. Then the next day, just in time for Halloween, what do you think of when you see a monster? Oh, good Lord. Dare I say what I'm really thinking at this point? But to answer your question, as you wish, brown fur, sharp teeth, oh right, they call those fangs, a raspy voice, a name like Harry, one thing, one that eats cookies instead of human beings. That would be ideal. So here is my imagination running wild. I'll accept an A for effort. I don't expect you to be utterly astonished, but I hope you are at least content with my attempt to paint your picture based on the knowledge I have. Oh, and back to autumn. I smell apple pie baking in the oven. I taste all things pumpkin, pumpkin muffins, pumpkin bread, and let's not forget pumpkin pie. I feel the cool, fresh air when taking a walk outside. I reflect on the gratitude and all the blessings God has granted me. But I do that every season. About that tree, it's bare, I'm sure. It looks nice. In the winter, I'll describe my Christmas tree, if you'll allow me. But for now, I hope you are content. Very good, Annie. Thank you. Um, We do have, um, let me, we do have some raised hands. And I don't know that I actually went over how to raise your hand when we first started this. So um, if you want to raise your hand on the phone and you called in, it's star nine. If you are, if you're using the app on your phone, the Zoom app on your phone, it's, um, to raise your hand is in the lower right hand corner and you double tap that and then there's raised hand is an option under that. Um, to do that on the computer is alt Y and to raise your hand on the Mac is options Y and, um, Cindy, you are unmuted. Yes, I am. Hi again. Hello. And I decided why not? So here's another one. Um, probably from about that same time frame, high school, senior, I think. It's called Alone. I'm a red daisy. I'm not yellow or white. I stand alone. I have a longer stem than all the other daisies. I have no friends. All the other daisies think of me as a red rose or a red carnation. Why? Am I so different that no one can show me any love? I'm like a circle in the eyes of all squares. I don't care what the others think. I'm me. That's great. Thank you. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Jamie. (laughs) Hi, Annie. (laughs) I appear once again. So, Annie, uh, I, I, you are going to get tired of this one because you've heard it 2,000, 1,200 million times. I said that to exaggerate this. Where do you so with all these, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> So with all these Halloween stuff going on, Annie, you know where I'm going with this. I had this haunted house record as a kid, and this thing always stuck with me. I have no idea. It's very short. It's very cool, though. I like it. It isn't a cough that carries you off, it's the coffin 
they carry you often. <laughs> Gee, I've never heard that before. <laughs> yeah, that was very short. <laughs> short and to the point. <laughs> very good. And she knows Annie's husband. She's not mean to just anybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, would anyone else like to share? Because I don't see any hands. Isn't Deborah Kendrick in the house? Deborah, did you want to share something? Mika, you have somebody with a raised hand. Oh. Abby. Uh, this is yeah. This is me. Can you everybody hear me? Yeah. Okay. Great. I have one more. I have another one I would like to share. And oh, uh, this, yes. And this one is called "I'm a Star." At the age of 13, I stand on the front porch, a piece of wood to my lips, sing while little brother goes rat-a-tat-tat -tat on an empty paint can. Please, mister, please, don't play me 17. It was our song, it was his song, but it's over. The air rings. You light up my life. You give me hope to carry on. More applause. I'd rather be a sparrow than a snail. Yes, I would if I could. I surely would. More applause. The crowd is on its feet. With a bow, I take my leave. The end. Thank you. Abby, where were you when I did my singing talk? You are wonderful. Great Thank voice. You. Thank you. <laughs> Wow, glad to have you. What a talent. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, you guys. This is hey. This is Deborah since I was busted. Hi, Deborah. <laughs> um, I came to lurk. I didn't come to read, but I if you do it again, I, I might I um some of you might know, Annie might know, that I started my writing career as a poet and I had a fair amount of success. Um won some contests, won an Arts Council grant with Ohio and, and some anthologies, but I had a family to support, so I kind of turned to journalism. But I love poetry, and I've heard a lot of nice things here. And Annie, I just got to tell you that we are kindred spirits once again, because I love Mary Oliver. That was very nice, what you read. Thank, Thank you. you. Very nice. Thank you for being here. Thanks. So, um... I, I discovered not too long ago, I will share this, one of my very earliest publications, um, so this is going to show you guys I'm really old, right? <laughs> but um, I was contacted by a professor at Kent State who was assembling an anthology of what he called tough-minded poetry about the experience of disability, and that book was published I think in 1986, maybe. Anyway, 
found by Temple University Press, and it was called Toward Solomon's Mountain. has about 20 poets in it, and I was thrilled to be asked. And I just discovered, like this year, maybe four months ago, that it has been on Bard all this time, read by Bob Askey. I never knew it was there. I, I think of poetry as something you read in Braille. And so I knew that the Braille version was published by NLS, and I was so happy to see my, my poems in a book in Braille. It was so cool. But it was cool in a different way to hear a narrator that I've loved, you know, for years and years and years to hear him read. So that I don't know the DB number, but if you want to check that out, it's called Toward Solomon's Mountain. There's some really nice stuff, and there's three little poems by me. That's my story. That's everything I have to say, except you guys are great. And if you do it again, I'll, I'll come back and I, I won't cheat. I'll bring something. I would love to do this again. I, I don't even want this to end. I'm this is amazing. <laughs> um, so Nat was trying to get in. Hi, I couldn't raise my hand. I don't know why, but. Because um, you're a co-host. That's why. <laughs> oh, oh. Um, I actually wanted to share, it's not something I wrote, but it is something that was shown to me by a student teacher in junior year. It's, this is um, a transcript from a TED talk of, a, of Shane Kozak's uh, spoken word, and I hope you guys enjoy it. It makes me super emotional, so um, so let me just give you a little bit, a little bit of background. Um, Shane Kozak is a Canadian um, poet who's using his voice to raise awareness about bullying through spoken word poetry. The following is a transcript of his TED Talk in which he performed his spoken word poem to this day. When I was a kid, I used to think that pork chops and karate chops were the same thing. I thought they were both pork chops. My grandmother thought it was cute and because they were my favorite, she let me keep doing it. Not really a big deal. One day before I realized fat kids are not designed to climb trees, I fell out of a tree and bruised the right side of my body. I didn't want to tell my grandmother because I was scared I'd get in trouble for playing somewhere I shouldn't have been. The gym teacher noticed the bruises and I got sent to the principal's office. From there, I was sent to another small room with a really nice lady who asked me all kinds of questions about my life at home. I saw no reason to lie. As far as I was concerned, life was pretty good. I told her whenever I'm sad, my grandmother gives me karate chops. <laughs> this led to a full-scale investigation, and I was removed from the house for three days until they finally decided to ask how I got the bruises. News of this silly little story quickly spread through the school, and I earned my first nickname pork chop. To this day, I hate pork chops. I'm not the only kid who grew up this way, surrounded by people who used to say that rhymes about sticks and stones as if broken bones hurt more than the names we got called, and we got called them all. So we grew up believing no one would ever fall in love with us, that we'd be lonely forever, that we'd never meet someone to make us feel like the sun was something they built for us in their tool shed. Broken heartstrings bled the blues, and we tried to empty ourselves so we felt nothing. Don't tell me that hurts less than a broken bone, that an ingrown life is something surgeons can cut away, that there's no way for it to metastasize. It does. She was eight years old our first day of grade three when she got called ugly. We both got moved to the back of the class so we would stop getting bombarded by spitballs. But the school halls were a battlefield. 
We found ourselves outnumbered day after wretched day. We used to stay inside for recess because outside was worse. Outside, we'd have to rehearse running away, learn to stay still like statues, giving no clues that we were there. In grade five, they taped a sign to the front of her desk that read, Beware of Dog. To this day, despite a loving husband, she doesn't think she's beautiful because of a birthmark that takes up a little less than half of her face. Kids used to say she looks like a wrong answer that someone tried to erase but couldn't quite get the job done. And they'll never understand that she's raising two kids whose definition of beauty begins with the word mom because they see her heart before they see her skin because she's only ever been amazing. He was a broken branch grafted onto a different family tree, adopted, not because his parents opted for a different destiny. He was three when he became a mixed drink of one part left alone and two parts tragedy, started therapy in eighth grade, had a personality made up of tests and pills, lived like the uphills were mountains and the downhills were cliffs, four-fifths suicidal, a tidal wave of antidepressants, and an adolescent being called Popper. One part of the pills, 99 parts because of the cruelty. He tried to kill himself in grade 10 when a kid who could still go home to mom and dad had the audacity to tell him, get over it. As if depression is something that could be remedied by any of the contents found in a first aid kit. To this day, he is a stick of TNT lit from both ends, could describe to you in detail the way the sky bends in the moment before it's about to fall. And despite an army of friends who all call him an inspiration, he remains a conversation piece between people who can't understand that sometimes being drug free has less to do with addiction and more to do with sanity. We weren't the only kids who grew up this way. To this day, kids are still being called names. The classics of Hey Stupid, Hey Spaz, seems like every school has an arsenal of names getting updated every year. And if a kid breaks in a school and no one around chooses to hear, do they make a sound? Are they just background noise from a soundtrack stuck on repeat when people say things like, kids can be cruel? Every school was a big top circus tent. And the pecking order went from acrobats to lion tamers, from clowns to carnies, all of these miles ahead of who we were. We were freaks, lobster claw boys and bearded ladies, oddities juggling depression and loneliness, playing solitaire, spin the bottle, trying to kiss the wounded parts of ourselves and heal. But at night, while the others slept, we kept walking the tightrope. It was practice. And yes, some of us fell. But I want to tell them that all of this is just debris left over when we finally decide to smash all the things we thought we used to be. And if you can't see anything beautiful about yourself, get a better mirror, look a little closer, stare a little longer, because there's something inside of you that made you keep trying despite everyone who told you to quit. You built a cast around your broken heart inside it yourself. They were wrong because maybe you didn't belong to a group or a clique. Maybe they decided to pick you last for basketball or everything. Maybe you used to be bru bring bruises and broken teeth to show and tell, but never told, because how can you hold your ground if everyone around you wants to bury you beneath it? You have to believe that they were wrong. They have to be wrong. Why else would we still be here? And it kind of goes on a little bit more, but wow. I, that is, oh, wow. yeah. Wow. Thank you. Mm, that's powerful and very well done. Okay, um, 
I'm going to Deanna. There it is. There you are. There. <laughs> Took me a second to no problem. To, to catch the button. Okay, this poem I wrote for my first guide dog, and it's called I Wasn't There. When I stepped from the shelter of my family's love, you were there. This one's tough for me too. <laughs> you were there walking at my side. When I struggled to keep my footing in the shifting tides of the shifting sands of college life, you were there keeping me grounded. When my parents moved away, leaving me miles behind at school, you were there to, to be hugged tightly in my loneliness. When a friend betrayed my trust and I doubted any purpose to my life, you were there with your head in my lap as I cried. When I talked, walked in the aisle to join my life with another, you were there as I said my vows. When I left the school at long last to take up my first job, you were there to lend me confidence. When I joined the Peace Corps to pay my debt to my country, you were not there for the first time. So when you left this world thousands of miles away, I walked on the beach without you, remembering the things we had shared. My heart was breaking because I wasn't there. Sorry. <laughs> I should have picked something happy. That was that was wonderful. That's what I really like about this. I love the variety. You know, we have some humor. We have some emotional pieces. That's what's so great about it. Yeah. Thank you for sharing, Deanna. That was wonderful. <laughs> that was that was really bad. <laughs> Thank you for sharing, Deanna. But I've got one that's a little bit more upbeat. Starting over. Got my e-ticket today. I'm actually going. What should I pack? Who will I meet? What dog will I get? Will it be a lab, a golden, a shepherd, a cross? Will it be large, small, or male or female? Will it like me? What if it doesn't? When I pick up that harness, will it feel right? Will I be able to trust and just go? Will I know the right things to do? I long to put this cane in the back of the closet. But can I start over with a young, silly pup? It won't be my old dog. It won't know how I like things to be or where I will like to go. Will it like my family and friends? Will it hate my cat? Will it scavenge and distract, chew up my shoes? So many questions that circle my head. Sometimes the best we can do is take it in stride, step out in faith, and have fun finding out. Very so good. That, that was called starting over. <laughs> Annie, you have about four minutes left. 
All right. You know, maybe we can do this next time. I know in my writer's group, we do a, um, what we call a reader, uh, read back lines. If there's ever, a, like, where we write down lines or words or phrases that stick out to you, perhaps next time we can implement that if people are be comfortable. Um, I think that'd be good. Hmm, should I read my Reese's poem or my Father's Day poem? <laughs> You're like, hmm, which one? What, what do you guys want to hear? <laughs> I mean, pick one. <laughs> oh, I know. I'll read my ode to Reese's if I can find it. Well, you're doing that, Annie. This is Cindy. I have yes. I have a really, really short poem I want to share. I was eight years old, and I won second place in a national poetry contest for Expectations Magazine from Brill Institute of America. Oh, I and, Expectations okay, Magazine. Okay. I love that. And I won second place, and I won 50 bucks. Yeah. I was eight years old. That was a lot of money. Um, so here's the poem. I like to sing. I like to sing and sing and sing, but then I get too tired, so I take a nap so I can sing tomorrow. That's it. That's great. <laughs> That's so great. And it got me 50 bucks and a trip to Disneyland. <laughs> wow, yay. That was good. Get to the point. Right. <laughs> I, well, I have found my ode to Reese's if anyone wants to hear it. That's the one I was going to choose, by the way. Oh, goody. Yeah. Oh, Reese's, how I adore you. Always sweet and delicious and solid like the rock of ages when fresh out of the freezer or fridge. Your softness at room temperature melts in my heart and then, mo and, and then motivates to my mouth. You come beckoning to me. Eat me, you call, and with gladness I surrender, as though I am Alice in your sweet wonderland. E.T. phone home, you summon, and eagerly he runs to pick up your pieces. You celebrate <laughs> with me each season. The autumn leaves dance when you appear in the form of a pumpkin on Halloween, when Halloween approaches. Then the Angel choirs exult as the trees light up at Christmas. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! You steal my heart on Valentine's Day. And then all the Easter bunnies hop with joy. The eggs hatch from their hiding places. Oh, Reese's, how I adore you. Always sweet and delicious and solid like the rock of ages, fresh out of the freezer or fridge. You transport me to heaven from the first bite to the last. You smile when my birthday approaches. You feed my hungry soul. You, en you energize me during a hard day at work. You compliment my soda, coffee, or anything that strikes my mood. Oh, Reese's, how I adore you. Always sweet and delicious, solid like the rock of ages, when fresh out of the freezer or fridge. I could not imagine my life without you. You are a generous gift from God. If not for you, I would stop singing for eternity. And there you have it. I need a <laughs> Reese's to beckon to my mouth right now. <laughs> Eat me. Very good. 
Oh my gosh. Thank you guys. This was wonderful. What a joy. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> so I definitely yeah, want to we do should it again, Annie. do this again, like weekly or monthly or whatever you guys want to do. <laughs> this is really great. We've got some talent in our community. That we do. All right. Well, thanks everybody this for coming. Annie, thank you for doing yes. this. Thank you. Thank you, Annie. Thank you, Mika. Thanks for sharing, everybody. Hi, everybody.